Last time we left Rendus, he was struggling in a negotiation with Mercs, trying to find some common ground or trying to trick Mercs into releasing him from the bindings. Spakortu, furious at being controlled by this outside influence, this parasite, makes good on his promise and begins hacking at his arm with his sword. The process is ugly and excruciating, but all he sees is red. He refuses to be confined by anyone. He's furious, and this is it. This is the only solution that seems readily available. The internal screams of Mercs go unheard as blood begins to gush from the wound in Spakortu's arm. And over time, the voice in his head grows silent. Soon, it's replaced with a new sound. It takes a moment for Spakortu to realize what sound that is, but eventually he recognizes it as his own breath, panting, coughing. He looks to the ground, and there's a fuckload of blood. He spots a set of robes once donned by Willis, and grabs them with his remaining arm, attempting to pressure the wound and stifle the bleeding. It has little effect. His eyes scan the room, panicking, looking for something or someone to help. When he sees the belt of the fallen ranger by his side, crawling over, he reaches to unfasten it, his hand now shaking as he fumbles to unbuckle this belt, the blood relentless in its cascade to the floor. The panting grows heavier, the belt unmoving. He returns to applying pressure and thinking of what to do. Should I call Stennis? Would he hear me? Would he help me? What if he turns on me as well? My moment of weakness. What if he's been working with Stinkfinger all this time? He was friendly to Torf. No. And then suddenly he remembers. He remembers a vial of healing potion that Stannis gave to him before. Shouldering off his pack, he once again drops the robe to try and rummage through his belongings one-handed. The room begins to spin. His hand scans the pack and pulls out a glass vial of a dark liquid. No. This is the venom given to him by the wine merchant. This won't help. He dives back in again, and finally, he pulls out a potion of healing, which he puts between his knees and pinches, using as leverage while his hand works to remove the cork. Blood now drenches the ground around him, his knees soaked in crimson. And then, the room grows dark. Bakortu's heartbeat begins to slow as he lowers his body to the ground, as his eyelids lower, closing to rest, to sleep. As he does, his consciousness begins to slowly retract from his own thoughts, and in these last moments, Flashes of other places in Skur come to him. His focus falls first 
on Stannis and Xandra, just meters away, as they finally unlock the door to a generator, a huge rattling machine of metal and glowing energy. They navigate its various switches and levers, and with some effort, they shut it down. Breathing a sigh of relief at their work being completed, they make their way out, celebrating, congratulating one another, until they come to a strange creature slumped on the ground near Willis's desk. A pale, wiry creature with long black hair, grotesque fingers, and a dismembered arm, along with Randus's belongings. They pause here for some time, unspeaking, trying to deduce what could have happened and where Randus went. A flash of realization hits Xandra, the pieces of a puzzle that have haunted her ever since that night in the forest start to come together. But she chooses not to trouble Stannis with the details. He shares a story of his own, a theory, that is far-fetched and poorly conceived, which Xandra assures him must be the case. And they choose to leave this place having suffered enough stress and confusion already. Merks is left on the ground after they decide that touching the circlet, even for a moment, could be fatal. He remains in that abandoned building, an arm's length away from Spakortu's body. And then Spakortu's Consciousness expands outside of this house to the streets of Hordlaw, to the guild and the eldest chambers. We see Xandra and Stannis sitting with Elvis Rockseeker, engaging in a serious conversation, where Elvis's emotions range from delight to horror to sadness. The job is done, payment is made, and as the rangers prepare to make their journey back to Scratgate, Elvis discreetly gives Stannis a small package, instructions to deliver it to Stinkfinger, and a small pouch of coins for his troubles. The pair leave Hordlaw, ticking Rannis's pack with them. Before they leave, the Elder calls them once more to thank them for their hard work in restoring peace to Hordlaw. Though the Elder does not reveal themselves, they do talk together for some time before they depart. The Elder does not receive guests often and seems grateful for the company. Spakortu's vision flickers and moves across town to a modest home, where a young man eagerly awaits visitors, having heard that both his cousin and his beloved wife have returned to Hordlow and should be dropping by at any moment. He will be waiting for a long time before he hears any news of Randus, and even longer before he realizes that his wife will not be returning to him. Our vision flickers once more, and we see a brothel that slowly returns to prosperity as townspeople 
regain confidence in the safety of their streets. Their cravings for intimacy, after hard days of labor, grow too strong to ignore. The business runs independently of its matron, and a small fortune of coin builds up over the months and years following, never collected, and never stolen from, not even once. We zoom out further, expanding to the plains of Skur and refocusing on Scratgate, where we see Stannis, Xandra, and Crambo, haven't forgotten him, returning home. Tired, but dutiful. They head immediately to Stinkfinger's office, and they inform him of what transpired. Xandra tells him that Randis is missing, that only his pack remains. She holds her tongue about her theory on Randis's true nature. Stannis reports on his conversations with Torf on the journey, and explains that they couldn't find him before they returned back to Scratgate. Stinkfinger thanks both of them and congratulates them on their hard work. He gives them time to rest before their next assignments, which they are grateful for. Xandra returns to her bunk, while Stannis hands over the package from Elvis and receives a few more coins for his troubles. Once the office clears, Stinkfinger moves to the door and slides a bolt across it, ensuring his privacy. He lets out a long sigh, and his frame shifts. His bushy orange hair grows to shoulder length and turns jet black. He takes off his tricorner hat and places it on the desk with his now spindly pale fingers. In his true form, he reaches under his desk and unlocks the vault at the back of the office. He takes the package and places it on a shelf with several other boxes, ornaments and trinkets. And he turns to admire the rest of the vault. A small mountain of gold and silver pieces, racks of elegant looking weapons and armaments, and he smiles, a wide, fanged smile. Our vision pans across to Stannis' home. We see him greeted by his loving wife and his daughter, and he sits down to enjoy a prepared meal with them, sharing stories of his adventures out in the wilds. He continues to work with Stinkfinger in the guild, earning coin, although he chooses to take safer jobs, things that are not so far from the walls of his home. His family seem to appreciate that, and Stinkfinger seems not to mind his more conservative approach to ranging. Xandra chooses a different path, taking on missions and jobs that reach the furthest edges of Skur. All the while, she is outside the walls, searching for her family. Any evidence she can find of where they went, what happened to them. She spends a long time alone now. She seems happier that way, 
more comfortable with her own privacy and her own thoughts. Finally, we come to Randis's home, where a nervous Sharon has waited for quite some time, examining books, performing research of her own, investigating the various severed heads that Randis has brought her over the weeks and months. Most evenings she spends tucked up in bed with a book, writing strange cursive runes or planning out elaborate diagrams. On some evenings she practices her works, weaving her fingers in the air and creating small glittering lights based on the runes and sketches she has made. She's learning something that she's never learned before, and it excites her. Around a month passes before Stannis and Xandra return to Scratgate, and Randis's pack is returned to Sharon. Left at the door of her home, she doesn't open her door for anyone. She takes the pack, she pulls out the books, the belongings, and she lays them out, and she feels this deep sensation within that Randis won't be coming home. And she mourns him. But she still has her research. And now she has new books to work with. She spends a long time reading and speaking with Opal, who she chooses to help in exchange for more information, more knowledge. After weeks of working together with Opal and discussing new ideas and new knowledge, Sharon plucks up the courage to explore Scratgate on her own, without help or support. With a little bit of help. Using her books and her newfound knowledge, she manages to explore the streets of Scratgate without anyone ever seeing her a new tool that she's very excited to try out in a number of different ways. And that's the end of our story, as short as it is. The actions of Spakortu and Randus and Torf and all the others that he took the form of, they did cause ripples in the world, but those ripples were small and not as far-reaching as he might have hoped. The world will go on, and over time, the world will forget. But the world is ever growing, and perhaps some of the things that he did will cause reactions as the humans try to figure out how to improve their lives and how to restore the glory of Skur before they're happening. We'll see.